this has the, the opportunity for the greatest turnaround in college football exists here today, and it's not one to be taken lightly. will field it at the 5 to the 10, pass the numbers to the 20, 25, look out, 30. He's at the 40, to the midfield strike, to the 40, down the far sideline, 10, 5, to the house, Wildcat touchdown for Tremaine Thompson. Welcome to Bring on the Podcast. Here's your host, A. Hernali. Welcome to another episode of Bring Out the Podcasts. As always, I'm your host, Luke Thompson. Today, Ty is with us, and one of our favorite guests, Nick Lackey, is back. Nick, how are you doing? I'm fantastic. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Doing well. We were talking before, uh, you know, today's first date for most of the Premier League teams. You know, if you're a fellow Chelsea fan, I was wondering, I'm going to put you on the spot here. Can you pronounce uh, the new goalkeeper's last name? I know I cannot. I cannot. I, I, I've just now mastered uh, as Pilaqueta, so yeah. you can't ask for anything more than that. Yeah, it's about where I am too. It's about where I am too. <laughs> All right, I, I got one more stupid question before we move on to some KSA stuff. I saw at the the fan appreciation day. I think one of the players um, was I think red or something. It was I guess signing autographs with his Fortnite names or something, and it got me thinking. <laughs> I guess we never really asked you, you know, back in the day, you probably had, like, an Xbox or something. Like, what game, video games did you guys play, and, like, who were some of the best best players? Oh, man. You know, we really didn't uh, – you got to think this is back in, what, 2000 to, to 2003. Mm-hmm. So, video game-wise, I don't think we were playing video games okay. at yeah. that point. I guess it, was, it would have been different because you couldn't play on the internet much back then. You kind of just had to – Play against each other. No, That's not yeah, like I think Xbox One came out, I think in '03 or '04, and I w- I remember being a, a rookie in the NFL and having the Xbox Live gamer tag, and I used to play the snot out of some FIFA. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was hilarious because uh, my my wife, who was my uh, girlfriend back in the day, would would come in town and she would uh, she'd be like, "Who the hell are you talking to in here?" Because seriously, I would literally be seeing like twelve year olds. And 13 year olds. <laughs> <laughs> uh, was it anybody on your team that, that could beat you? Or? Uh, no, I was pretty good. Okay. Uh, I do, you know what? You know what? Actually, if you fast forward to New Orleans in 09, yeah. in the locker room, they used to have video games set up, TVs and beanbags. And damn it, if not, Reggie Bush was not the best FIFA player ever. <laughs> and it was like, you're not, you're not supposed to be good at video games and real life. You know, usually there's like a, a disconnect, right? And not at all. Not at all. Him and, him and uh, Pierre Thomas were, were really oh, yeah. good. So they're running backs. Huh? Yeah. yeah. And running backs, yeah. I don't know. They must not have been studying their stuff. <laughs> Just get the ball and go. I know, right? It's, it's simple, right? And if you don't like the play, then yeah. make, make it up. You're doing the hard part, right? So. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. But I remember, and I remember Luke Pierre. Pierre, when he was like Inter Milan, 
okay. back then. And uh, he would score a bunch with Mykon, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Well, m- moving on to the Kansas City, I guess the big news this week is the, the Bill Snyder signing. I mean, it shows you, you know, what counts as big news. But, uh, <laughs> you know, Bill Snyder signs a five-year contract. I guess, you know, I wouldn't be surprised, like, if somebody had told me Bill Snyder's going to coach five more years. But the fact that he actually signed that, that long of a contract surprised me a little bit. Um, I mean, what did you guys think of it? anything. I mean, if I understood it right, he was on rollover deal previously. So every year it rolled over and he, I mean, right. he was basically on a, and I don't remember if it was five years or whatever, right. but I think that because it was a little bit different because it was a rollover deal like that, it's just one, it's just another avenue for opposing coaches to use as negative recruiting whatever against you. And okay. which, you know, I mean, you're going to have no matter what, when you got a coach who's 78 years old, yeah, it's not yeah. really that difficult <laughs> to tell an 18 year old, well, you know, how do you know if he's going to be there? But I like the quote that I saw this week. I assume that they were probably talking about Zach Shackelford who flipped from K-State to Texas late in the recruiting kit or late in the recruiting cycle. But, you know, I mean, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Charlie Strong and his staff made something along the lines of that pitch to him. And is Charlie Strong still in Austin? <laughs> so, yeah. so, I mean, you know, you know, Bill Snyder's not getting pushed out in Manhattan. He will go out on his own terms. So, so the only question is, how long is that going to be? Is that going to be another year? Is that going to be six months? Is that going to be five years? Nobody knows. We have no idea. I mean, my opinion is that he probably, I, I hate saying this. I know that people, it, it kind of weirds people out when I say this. I wouldn't be surprised if he coaches until he dies. What else is he going to do? I don't really think that he, at this point in his life, has a lot of other interests. He's not going to sit on the couch and watch TV. So, I mean, this is what he's going to do. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if he, I mean, he's going to go out on his own terms one way or the other. I think that this is more just a pop thing for recruiting. But I'm open to opposing arguments, Nick. Yeah, yeah no, I mean, it's certainly not for job security. But yeah, Nick, I mean, do you think that matters to recruits? Do they look at that kind of stuff? I don't think it's something you, you consider. I think it's almost like a foregone conclusion. If you go to K-State, you know that, that Coach Snyder is going to be there, uh, just, just depending on, on health and everything like that. Mm-hmm. And I think it, what it does is that I think it, it creates a talking point to say like, hey, you know, he's going to be here forever. And we just, you know, we signed him to five more years. So I, I agree where it, it's a bit of a, a show and just say, hey, man, this guy's a, an awesome person. And just a way to create some positive, positive news as well. Yeah. And speaking of coaches, you know, a pretty big shakeup by K-State standards to for Dan Demo to leave, bringing in a new defensive coordinator. Or offensive coordinator, sorry. I mean, we're not bringing in, promoting from within. But, I mean, Ty, I know you had a comment about uh, Warmack maybe getting some more carries and suggesting <laughs> we may remember Dana differently if that pans out. Well, I, I mean, I, I swear, you know, Warmack, I think he redshirted, so he's been in town for five years now. And I swear, every single year, it's like, oh, this is the year. Dana, uh, Dalvin Warmack's going to get more carries. He's really flashing stuff in. You know, in spring, in spring practice and fall camp and whatever. I mean, I love the guy. I, I mean, he's shown some pretty good moves and and he's shown some pretty good stuff when he gets the ball in his hand and he's he's pretty dynamic in space. But then the season rolls around and, and you know whoever it is, uh, somebody else is starting ahead of him and then somebody else comes in behind him and then uh, Dana Dimmel's son gets fifty carries and you know he just never he's never gotten the ball very much so. 
I'll throw out the old show me line. I live in Missouri, so you know I'll, <laughs> I'll believe it when I see it. Yeah. But you know, but I would love to see it. I liked the comment in the in the story this last week about how he might have more receptions than than carries this year. I, mm-hmm. you know what? If they want to get him the ball, you know, through the air, if he can catch the ball, I'm cool with that. I'm just a fan of getting you know getting guys who are dynamic like that out in space and getting them the ball and letting them see what they can do. So hopefully they found a way to do that because I think that he can be a weapon for us. Yeah. And I also think that with with Dimmel gone, that, that there won't be as much focus as, you know, we're in, we're in the red zone is, you know, how can we get the ball to to the fullback? Right? <laughs> <laughs> and, what are, and, and what are, I, what are the 50 ways we can get the ball to the fullback? Yeah, and, and you can't knock it because it was effective as hell, right? But it still it was, was pretty annoying. It was pretty annoying. And it was almost like, if you guys remember that movie, The Program, right, where they're like the running back gets a ball down and then like the other guy gets a score. And it's like um, not so much like a like a black white thing like like that was, but <laughs> I just think with Andre and with Colin and with Dicky, I think there'll be enough minds there to say, okay, hey, let's manage this these four running backs that we have, and you know, and and let's see who's got the hot hand tonight. And, and I think that there's enough minds and enough enough thoughts to be like, okay, we can manage this. Yeah, yeah Nick and. Going off of that a little bit, like you mentioned with the hot hand, it was interesting. I don't remember what game it was. I think that maybe it was that Missouri State game from a few years ago that got rained out at halftime. Because I remember that I was driving home. I think I even had my son with me. And I was listening to Stan Weber on the radio on the way home. He was talking about, oh, you know, they're really shuffling the running backs in and out a lot right now. And he's like, but once conference play comes around, you're, you're going to start to see that narrow down and you're only going to see – you're going to see one back featured and then, you know, there'll be another back to spell him when he needs a rest. But what he was saying was you want to get one back involved because that back will start to notice the tendencies from the linebackers and, you know, and that's in running as well as pass blocking. He'll start seeing them cheat on this or that, and he'll be able to take advantage of that. But we never really saw that rotation narrow down. It really was throughout the entire season a shuffle, at least from, from my perspective on the outside. It didn't seem to have a lot of rhyme or reason. It was just like, well, we're going to try this guy for, for a while. Now we're going to try this for, guy for a while. And now we're going to give the fullback all, all these carries and, and throw to him. So I'll be interested to see if they if – they, I wouldn't be surprised if they keep playing a lot of different guys, but maybe in a given game they'll play fewer guys to allow for that. Was Andre Coleman, was he the, uh, was he, who was the coordinator, the O coordinator for the bowl game? And that was something that kind of irritated me at the time because Dimmel stayed around for the bowl game. Now, yeah, right. I don't know, did they give Andre and Colin, you know, more responsibility for the bowl game? I hope so because it's a bowl game. It's an exhibition game unless you're playing in the playoff, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It, it doesn't, I mean, I'm not going to say, I must categorically say it doesn't mean anything because for the players, it's a bonus and, and, and it's a chance to compete. So it means something. Yeah. But from that perspective, I feel like if you know that that lead guy is out, you should say, okay, next year, he's not going to be here. We need to get these guys ready. And if this is our dress rehearsal for them to be ready for next year, then let's use it. And instead it was like, well, this is, you know, one last raw for, for Dana and Winston, which isn't even true because Winston, unsurprisingly, ended up in El Paso this year. <laughs> Have fun down there. Um, but, but, so um, true. You know, so I, I was I was disappointed that, that they did that. I understand why, but it, it felt like it felt to me like a missed opportunity. 
Yeah, man. And you guys think it's it's difficult to, to make that transition to, to play Coleman? Obviously, Andre, Andre Coleman knows how to coach. He's got a con- connection with the players. But to jump into that play calling, is that going to be like a transition period, you think? Like, no, because I think I think as a coach, you follow the game anyway, and you're sitting there and you're thinking, okay, I would have called this, or why aren't we calling this? And and I think your voice just gets heard more because you you are that final decision maker. Yeah. And and the whole reason I brought up the bowl game was here that that they tried to use Skyler and just wasn't Skyler's day, and then they started using Delton, right. and it's like Delton's got the hot hand. Let's go with that. So I'm hoping that's what they do with the running backs as well. Because nothing used to piss me off more last year when Barnes had a hot hand and they weren't and they weren't yeah. just running the ball. Yeah, I think I don't think you were the only one there for sure. Yeah, uh, I, I remember I remember you, Nick. I remember you in, uh, during that Oklahoma game when Barnes got 75 yards for the touchdown on the second play of the game, and you were like, feed Barnes. <laughs> My God, it's so simple. And it's like, man, it strikes fear into in your opponents. And, and if he's doing it, if he showed you he can do it that day, then, then stick with it until they, they make you stop it. It's it's simple. Yeah. And it's, it's really nice. I mean, it seems like all four of those guys, Barnes, Silver, McCoy, and Warmack, if they're healthy – you know, could get hot and, and be a guy that you can use reliably. So hopefully they can they can figure it out. But that, that brings up another thing with the running game. You know, I think sometimes in the past we've looked at it and said, hey, maybe with this much depth at running back, the quarterback will carry less. But I, I think we've learned over the years that's not really true. Like, you know, nobody's hit 200 carries like Klein did, but – they always combined to, you know, to get 200-plus carries, except for actually the one year they didn't in recent history was 2014, and that was more because you know the passing game worked a lot better that season. So, I mean, you guys kind of expect that to be similar, or however you split up the, the QB carries, they're still going to be 200-plus? From a quarterback? Yeah. It depends on who's in there. I'm hoping if Skyler's in there, I'm hoping that they air it out. And then I'm hoping if Delton's in there, then they go to more of like a, um, a Colin Klein sort of formation where where maybe, you know, if you have 10 plays and make, make five of them passes and five of them uh, runs. And not for balance purposes, but just, just to keep the hits off, off mm-hmm. Delton. Mm-hmm. So you don't buy Bill Snyder's line the other day that, that he thinks both quarterbacks are more, more similar than we think? And that- they can both do anything within the offense. If if he's saying something in the media, I, I just think the opposite. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I I'm with you there, Nick. And I think that that's really what they've probably been looking at uh, in the spring, and then now here in the fall. I assume that what they're looking at is the personnel around the quarterbacks because they really know what they have with the two quarterbacks. It's not a secret. What they're looking for is which quarterback skill set will maximize the, the overall skill set of the offense. And like you mentioned, Luke, in, 20, in 2013 and 2014, Jake Waters was the guy because, because Tyler Lockett was yeah. such a talent that you needed a guy who was a, who was a really accurate passer to take advantage of those strength of Tyler Lockett's abilities. And Jake Waters was a serviceable runner. He was probably better than he gave credit for, you know, until he, of course, until he got his shoulder busted at Oklahoma. And God bless him for playing after that. That probably wasn't a lot of fun. But <laughs> you think about all those great connections that Waters had with Lockett and some of those great plays against Texas and TCU and all those. And, you, you know, I look at those and I wonder, 
how many of those passes get missed if Daniel Sams is in there? Now, granted, Daniel Sams is going to make some plays in the running game that Jake Waters didn't make, so I get that it's a trade-off. But Lockett was the talent on that, that team, and you know, and it shows right now who's in the NFL right now. Mm-hmm. Tyler mm-hmm. Lockett's in the NFL, so I really think that they're looking. I think that they're looking to see what they have at the other positions to see whether they have enough at wide receiver to really take advantage of Thompson's ability of throwing the ball or whether they need to go to more of a ground-based attack where the passing game is, you know, more of a change of pace, kind of the, kind of, you know, I mean, this is kind of like what Nick remembers, the late 90s, early 2000s, where we pounded the ball on people and we had dynamic athletes in the backfield and then, you know, once the defense got sufficiently lulled to sleep that we were running the ball, then you just threw the ball over the top of them to somebody who was wide open off play action. Yeah, and I mean, I think it's it's pretty obvious there's no Tyler Lockett on this roster. The question is, is there enough depth at, at wide receiver? You know, with Dalton showing Zuber and, and Harris, can those guys step up? Um, so, I mean, what do you think, Nick? Is Can you go to a, a more of a passing offense with Skylar Thompson in there? Is that viable with this receiving core? You do. You have to. I think I think Skyler's going to get the protection with the entire offensive line returning from right. last year. I think Skyler will get will get protection, and then I think if, if you follow the common sense approach, and and if, if Skyler's your guy, then you know if you warm him up, like you know give him some easy throws, and then I think if the receivers, you know, if, if you can teach him to be disciplined and, and run routes and just have clean route runs, and yeah, they can get it done. I think they can 100% get it done with the pass game, but I think you're going to have to rely on your run game first. You're going to have to let that set up everything, let that weaken up a defense and, and, and throw when it's favorable, you know, throw when you get a seven, eight man box, you know, you got man to man coverage, that type of situation and p- pick your spots basically. And don't please God, don't make it like Jake waters, his junior year when he had the butt fumble at Texas, <laughs> and it's like, like, know what you have, right? Like yeah. know what you have. And if you know, you have Skyler in there and then, you know, seven passes to three runs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that, that butt fumble is just your Waterloo, Nick. I swear every time we <laughs> podcast that comes up. <laughs> yeah, I, like, well, I, I was just thankful. That was the, I think it was so, <laughs> it was so monumental for me because it was like right off, like a couple years after the Mark Sanchez thing. And with much, <laughs> <laughs> that Mark Sanchez butt fumble gets. I, it was the only time I've ever been grateful that K State doesn't get a lot of love in the media. Because yeah. if that were Texas, <laughs> if that were the opposite, yeah, they would have been still be shown in this day. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah, oh yeah. So if, if they put Skyler out there, do you think they'd try to find other ways to get Dalton on the field? Like, I mean, some people talk about maybe putting him in the slot or something. You think that could happen? No. I, I think you've got to protect him. So I think I think the the whole uh, Cody Cook it, uh, <laughs> bowl game will showed us that you know you don't run when you have your third string quarterback in. Yeah. You know you don't, and you got to protect them. So I think they'll be cautious of that. Yeah. Well, I guess let's go ahead and move on to the defense. I mean, Nick, you alluded to it. The offensive line seems so solid with Dalton Razor leading the way. I, I don't know if there's even much to say about that group. I think I think we can be feel pretty comfortable, about as comfortable as you can anyway. So move on to the, the defense where it seems like, I mean, I don't know, there's a lot of questions, but I think maybe the biggest issue last year is the, the secondary and you lose a DJ Reed. Um, Craymore is also gone. I mean, it seems to me you need you need Keno Adams and Duke Shelley to be great, and then and you got to find some other guys who, who are good enough to, to step in there. How do you look at their prospects? 
I'm I'm thrilled. I'm thrilled. I think with with how Blake Siler has worked his way up to the top of the food chain in the in the deep on the defensive side of the ball, and, and I think that that every everything I heard from over at K State was that you know like people have kind of checked out. Cats weren't buying in, and I think when you have Blake, and he's such a genuine guy, and he's such a such a, a not a taskmaster, but but he's gonna hold your feet to the fire. You know, he's gonna say something, and he's gonna he's gonna enforce it and make sure that it gets done. And I think people buy into that his realness, and I think that's what you need. You need a guy who's gonna talk the talk and walk the walk, and that's what Blake does. And I think that gives you an edge. And it knows that, you know, you're going to have a good game plan going in and you're going to be able to trust that game plan and you're going to want to be to excel as much as you can because of Blake Siler. Yeah. Yeah, Nick. And I heard something kind of similar from a friend of mine who is from Manhattan and knows, you know, know, grew up there and knows some kids who are kids of assistant coaches and whatever. And and I heard that uh, pretty much the same thing that some of the guys on the coaching staff who are now gone were just not getting the buy-in from the players recently. Just they weren't getting through. They were connecting with them, whatever it was. And I feel like I mean, I, it was obvious on both sides of the ball. But I have really been a defender of our approach on the defensive side for many years. And you know, Luke, you can attest to this from the commentary <laughs> and the discussions that we've had on the blog. But. The, the basic ideas I think are sound, but I feel like we got stale and I feel like we, we just were like, well, you know, we think the basic idea works. So we're just going to keep doing the same thing year after year. And the problem is when you do that in conference play, what do the offensive coordinators spend their off season doing? They spend their off season looking at what their opponents have done in the past and figure out how they're going to counter it. So if you keep doing the same thing over and over and you don't really innovate, you don't really introduce a new wrinkle here or there or try this or whatever, you know, they're, they're going to find answers for the questions that you're posing to them. And I feel like that's what's happened over the last three or four years is we were just like, well, this is what we do. See if you can out execute us. And increasingly they were like, okay, well we will. So I, I, I agree. I like the idea. I, I like Blake Seiler. I like, you know, I, I really do hope that he has some, you know, I don't think he's going to drastically change what we do, but if he introduces a new wrinkle here and a new wrinkle there, and if he gets some buy-in from the players that an older coach that was kind of checked out didn't, then, I mean, you, you really could see, you know, a pretty noticeable improvement just based on that before you even start talking about personnel. Now, Luke, as far as, as, far as personnel in the secondary, you know, I like Duke Shelley. I think he's solid. I think that, you know, I like A.J. Parker at the other corner. You know, he's not real big, but he, he has speed and he really competes out there so i i'm okay with our starting corners i think we're solid at safety as long as kendall adams is healthy i don't really know who we're going to end up running out there at at nickel you know i mean it's just a big question mark right now so i don't know what to say about that i've been a proponent for a while of trying to find a way to uh, find a way to get uh elijah walker more involved you know i kind of go back and forth you know he he really against iowa state he got to play quite a bit he showed some playmaking ability, showed some hitting ability. I think that he was the one who uh, knocked David Montgomery out of that game, you know, but he also is, you know, is a little bit inexperienced and had some assignment errors and things like that. And, and I can't remember if it was him specifically that Snyder kind of was, has been throwing cold water on any mention of him being a, you know, a breakout player. Maybe it was someone else. I, my memory is terrible these days. So, you know, don't hold me to that, but, 
you know, we have some personnel there. You know, Nick, I totally agree with that. I think we have some guys that we can run out there. And if there's, you know, if there's better buy-in, you know, and just seeing some fire on the sidelines, some fire from the players, you know, that everybody goes back to that Vanderbilt game last year and everybody just was kind of standing there with a stone-faced look on, you know, look and just like, oh, well, we're, we're just here playing a football game. It's like, you know, I mean, Nick, you know this, you know, way, way better than, than either the other two of us. It's a game of emotion. You, you know, if you're just, you know, if you're not fired up to go out and play, it's going to be, it's going to be tough to get out there and win. And it really is. And I think offense, offense, you want to be cool, calm, and collected. But I think on the defensive side of the ball, you want to be fired up. You want to be a bit crazy. And I think you play better when you have raw emotions defensively. And then I think offensively, you need to be that that sort of that, that stone cold, you know, ice ice cold blood in your veins. You know, you need to be just chill and relaxed. So, so yeah, so you definitely need that emotion. Yeah. Yeah. And another thing that I think might not get talked about at the secondary room is you should look around the league, and it seems like the level of quarterbacking is going to be down a little this year. Mason Rudolph is gone, Baker Mayfield's gone, Shimanek is gone, the kid from TCU is gone. You still got Will Greer, who's probably a Heisman candidate, but I don't know if there's another elite quarterback in the league. So, I mean, they might look better just because of the competition. It, it might, it might, but then, you know, those, those, those systems, I mean, I think, I feel like, you know, with the, with advent of the up-tempo offenses, I feel like it's almost like Mike Leach back in the nineties with all those Texas tech quarterbacks putting up gaudy numbers and you, you know, that's going to happen. So you just have to expect it from all those schools. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think that, I, I think that Oklahoma, I mean, I think Oklahoma, I mean, yeah, they'll probably take a step back because Baker Mayfield was, I mean, he was he was the perfect quarterback for Lincoln Riley's system, which is why they pushed Lincoln Riley forward into the head coaching position when they did. But I think that they're going to be fine. I mean, they have a ton of talent. They have, have a five-star guy who's a, you know, a, a, what, a first or second round Major League Baseball pick coming in. Like, yeah. He's, 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 he's going to be good. Oklahoma State's going to plug and play. Now, you know, sure, they don't have James uh, James Washington and Marcel Aitman out there wide, but they're still going to have some guys who are fast and some guys who are tall. So, yeah, I agree, Luke. I mean, I, 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 I kind of agree with both sides. I know I'm, I'm being wishy-washy here, but <laughs> they're going to plug and play to some extent, so you can't just be like, oh, well, you know, we're just going to be okay and we're going to be fine. I mean, you're, you're going to get beat if you're just okay. Yeah. But, you know, at least maybe this year – you know, maybe you're not going to have as many of those plays where it's just like, well, there was nothing we could have done there. You know, it, it doesn't it doesn't matter what we do. You just can't stop that. So, you know, hopefully that makes somewhat of a difference and, you know, it brings the pack back to us a little bit. Yeah. And then I guess up front, um, you know, obviously it's going to be tough to lose a guy like Will Gary. Um, and I think Tanner Woods gone too, but you still got some some talent, some experienced talent, Deshaun and, and Walker. And it seems like there there's some, other guys with ability up there, you know, think, think Snyder will be able to, to plug and play to use Ty's phrase there. Yeah. And I, I like the fact that, that Will Gary, <laughs> he was like our, our Kendall, our, our, uh, our Perry Ellis, right. He'd been there <laughs> since Snyder's first year. And I always like that about Will Gary, but, but I think that the cool thing is, is that, like I said, man, with Blake there, I think he's going to motivate Reggie Walker, especially. And I think he'll have, a, he'll have a pretty successful year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I agree. I mean, I think I think Trey Deshaun is going to hold down his spot in the middle pretty well. You know, obviously we need somebody else to step up and play beside him in the middle. I was encouraged by uh, 
I, I think it was Blake's comment this week that uh, Reggie Walker, you know, in the classic K-State uh, fashion, he implied that Reggie Walker played hurt last year rather than outright saying it. <laughs> but, you know, he, he implied that he was playing hurt last year. So if Reggie Walker was pl- playing hurt last year and he is healthy this year, you know, I mean, that could make a significant difference. And, you know, so if you're talking about, okay, Trey Deshaun's solid, Reggie Walker's going to be better just because he's not playing hurt. I think the linebackers are solid. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. as long as you have some answers at, at corner and nickel, the defense could be pretty solid if you're answering those questions with solid answers. Yeah, yeah. And you mentioned the linebacker, and I think we've talked about this before, but uh, Elijah Sullivan seems like a guy poised to really kind of step up as a leader of this group. Yeah, I mean, he, he got quite a few snaps last year, so I'm pretty confident that he's going to step in there and play pretty well. You, you never know in the preseason, but Siler was saying something along the lines of, you know, Daquan Patton could have played last year, but we didn't need him. We had two guys who were pretty pretty experienced, and, and certainly by the end of the year, we're pretty solid. So I assume that Patton's going to have somewhat of a learning curve just because... You know, you can't, you know, you cannot simulate game reps in practice. So there's going to be somewhat of a learning curve for him. But if Sullivan is solid and Patton has the athleticism to make plays, we, you know, you can maybe he makes some assignment errors early in the year. But man, if he cleans that up after a few games, you're talking about the front six of this defense being pretty solid as long as, you know, as long as Deshaun and Walker are solid up front. And I think it's going to be a good thing for them to get that test early against Mississippi State, who's got a pretty good offense. And, you know, that might even be a team where you can make a few mistakes and, and still have the offense pick you up. So I, I think that'll be a good kind of measuring stick to, to see where this group is. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I totally agree. That's that's going to be a fun game. I mean, Mississippi State is probably underrated nationally. I think they're going to be a really solid team this year. So, you know, I mean, that's one of those games where, you know, maybe Mississippi State comes out in week one and really hammers somebody and then you get them at your place and you get a chance to kind of make a statement. Mm-hmm. You guys going to be at that one? Nick, you going to be there? Yes, I'm going to be there. Um, I'm going to be there with the kids, so it's not going to be as, as wild as the um, – <laughs> as the uh, Auburn the Auburn Thursday night game. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That I, one, that one that was that was a total shit show. Totally. Oh boy. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, no, I know those shit shows, man. I don't know if I'm going to be there yet. I really hope that I am because I really want to see that one. I, I actually have a good friend. I need to get in contact with this guy. I haven't talked to him in years, but I have a really good friend from law school who went to Mississippi State undergrad, and I need to get get a hold of him and see if he wants to come up for that because. He he's a fun dude to hang out with, and and uh, you know he would be a, he'd be a fun dude to go to the game with, and I you know I need to get a travel partner for Starkville next year, so yeah. oh nice <laughs> yeah. yeah I actually just realized that uh, one of my buddies who I covered some high school stuff with in Louisiana is covering Mississippi State now, so we'll have a good guest for that podcast. There we go. That'll be cool. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I guess well. I mean, I don't know what to say here because I don't, I don't know much at all about the, the special teams. But you know, what, what have you guys seen anything as far as who the kicker and the punter is going to be? Even the returners? No. <laughs> nobody cares. No, nobody cares about the punter. <laughs> I mean, 
you know, you assume your punter's going to average between 38 and 42 yards per punt. As long as he doesn't kick a bunch of line drives or kick yeah. you know, off the side of his foot, it's going to be all right. I mean, yeah. I, I'm a little worried about field goal kicking just because McCrane was so damn good. But, I, you know, I for as much crap as he takes about for stuff, Sean Snyder's still there. Yeah. I assume that he's probably going to develop a decent field goal kicker. So I'm not going to – I'm not terribly worried about that right now. <laughs> Yeah, and then I mean, it seems like I mean, there's enough speed guys you can find somebody to return kicks, right? Yeah. Oh yeah, they'll they'll find somebody. I mean, they'll they'll throw Warmack or Zuber or somebody back there, and they'll be fine. Yeah, and I guess with the new rules now, we might see fewer returns. Yeah, probably. We'll see. Yeah. All right. Well, um, actually, before I let you go, I did want to ask. So KU, you know, has their is it 49 game for a losing streak? Uh, they get their first game is at Central Michigan, and like even uh, Bill C's computer numbers are—I don't want to say they're high on KU, but they're low enough on Central Michigan that he actually has KU predicted to win that one. Do, do you think the streak ends in that game? Is it in Lawrence? No, no, it's the road game. The road. So it and the road. Oh, streak. road. Oh, you're right, right, right. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I, I hope it does. I just hope they um, yeah. that they're able to get a get a road win. I think that'd be nice for, for their program. Mm-hmm. And then it would also kind of let them shut it down and not have to worry about winning any other games on the road. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the, the, the weight will be lifted and the fire will be out. Exactly. That's exactly what I want. Exactly. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny because I, I think in, in 09, in 09, uh, uh, when I was with the Saints, we opened versus Detroit. And they had just come off their 0-1st season in, in 2008. And, and you really thought about it. You're like, God, these guys are going to be so fired up. You know, it's just going to be like you know, a playoff <laughs> atmosphere. And you just wanted to come out and put the hammer on them quick to, to let them know that not not today. You know, just <laughs> not today. But it was, it was pretty – it was kind of nerve-wracking just thinking about that, thinking about how hungry these guys are for a win. And it's like how important it was just to come out and just dominate and just, you know, never, never let them catch a breath. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, I don't know, Luke. I don't know enough about Central Michigan to say yeah. one way or the other. I mean, yeah. <laughs> you know, on the one hand, it would be, pro- it would probably be in theory not bad for the Big 12 to not have that anchor, uh, you know, hanging around them uh, that <laughs> KU has been. You know, on the other hand, I don't really wish anything <laughs> good for KU ever. So. Yeah. I know, I'm so petty. I'm yeah. so petty, right? I, yeah, I know. Yeah. I, I know. I'm just being totally petty about this mm-hmm. right now. And and look, I met David Beatty in person a, a year or so ago, and he he really was very nice to me. And I was wearing a K-State shirt. He had no reason to be nice to me, and he was. So, yeah. I you know, I really think that he he's a good dude, but yeah. I, I also really doubt that he'll be coaching in KU beyond at KU beyond this year. And also, you know, it's another year where their basketball team is like preseason top two or top three most polls. So yeah, they'll know, be all right. They, uh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they'll be all right. So typically, end of the podcast, you know, we try to make some sort of prediction. I won't make you guys predict a score for the South Dakota game, but who do you think <laughs> takes the first snap for Kansas State? Which quarterback is going in there? Take it, Nick. Um, I I'd say that I think Delton. I think Delton will, will get the first snap just based off of bowl performance. And then I just think that, that he's more, you know, your, your Schneider, classic Schneider quarterback. 
But I mean, new offensive coordinator, so that could be wrong. Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah. I'm on the same page, Nick. I think it's going to be Delton. I think that I, I look at the personnel for this team, and I think that it just sets up really nicely to have a really dynamic running threat at quarterback. And I because with the five the five guys back on the offense line, the big stable of running backs, and a core of wide receivers who you know are solid. But you know, on the the thing about the thing that I look at. A, about them is they all seem to me to be willing blockers and they're the kind of guys who could thrive in space off of a solid running attack whereas you know maybe they're not quite the caliber of guys who can just beat people you know straight up I think that Delton could really make this offense hum with that line and with his speed and with the you know guys like Warmack and Barnes in the backfield with him I really wish I really really wish that we had a guy a receiver who was you know, like six four or five and two twenty. That's why I hope Jabaston Taylor steps up and and really is ready to play. Because I think having a big body like that would really help Delton in the passing game. But we'll see. I, I think Delton takes the first snap. I'm really excited about Delton. But the nice thing is, you know, if Thompson runs out there, I'm going to be like, oh, you know what? Coaches saw something in him and he's ready to go. So. That that's that's really the benefit of having two guys that have the experience that they have. I'm not going to be. It's not going to be like the Missouri game back in 2010 when I was in Columbia and I sat next to Bill Connolly and when Colin Klein had just destroyed Texas the week before and then Carson Kaufman came out in the field and I just turned turned to Bill and laid my head on his shoulder and was just like, "Damn it, damn it." <laughs> So I, I'm I'm excited about the offense this year. I, I really think they could be solid. I'm excited to see what Andre Coleman and Colin Klein can do with some new ideas, you know, a, a fresh approach. And, you know, if the defense can solve a couple of questions, it, it really could be a fun year. Yeah. And that first game, hopefully we'll get to see plenty of both quarterbacks over the, the course of the game. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hopefully, hopefully about a 49 to 10 type of empty in the bench out type of game. Yeah. Yeah. I think that'd be awesome. You know, I'm, and I have big expectations for this team overall too. Um, I'll be disappointed if they don't win the big 12, like quite honestly. I, and, and, and I don't say that as being, you know, bold or, or trying to create a controversy. I just, I just, I straight up believe that. Like I said, just with a new new coordinators on both sides, you got the appropriate people in place. You know, your offense is going to be strong. You know, K-State's always got great defense. And, you know, always catch a couple scores from the special teams and pick sixes or fumbles from the defense. And I think this is the year to put it together where there's no real, you know, everyone's picking Texas and Oklahoma <laughs> to, to win the Big 12. And I think K-State's going to surprise everybody. Yeah. yeah, Nick, I love your optimism, man. I love it. And you're right. This really is the kind of year where you look at the Big 12 and you're like, this could be a fun year in the Big 12 because there is no obvious team that you're like, oh, that team is just head and shoulders above everybody. You know, Oklahoma has been the the big dog of the conference, you know, and deservedly so for a while. But, you know, they lose Baker and they've had some question marks on defense for a while. And you look at K-State's schedule and you're like, man, they get Texas in Manhattan and they get... Uh, Oklahoma State in Manhattan, and they get Texas Tech in Manhattan. Those are those kind of swing games where you're like, yeah, you know, if they're on the road, you might be a little bit worried about them. But, you know, you got those games at home. You got KU in Manhattan. That's, you know, that should be an easy win right there. <laughs> and then you look at the rest of that, you're like, you're at Baylor. Can you go get a win at Baylor? Well, if you're that type of team, you should be able to go get a win at Baylor. And then you got games at, at OU, at TCU, at West Virginia. 
and at Iowa State. Can you get a couple of those? Okay, then you're probably in the Big 12 title game. Mm-hmm. We'll have to talk to Kellis about getting a headline. Lecky says K-State will win the Big 12. Uh, all right well hey this is always fun guys thanks for for coming on hopefully we'll do it again this season sounds great to me we always appreciate it no problem guys thank you that was fun so yeah